Well, we kind of got a little different message this morning. Uh, we're going to be looking at uh, Ephesians in chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, you want to open to that, you can. Uh, this will be the lesson for this morning, and the subject is spiritual warfare in the invisible spiritual world. You say, well, Brother Bill, why in the world would you even pick that? Well, that's what the Lord said, not what I say. Uh, I find that we see so much going on in our world today, and we must realize that it's all because of that unseen world, that war that is going on in the unseen world that we live in. And you probably wonder why that we are using this in Thanksgiving week, but hopefully by the time we get to the end of this, you'll realize uh, that it's a time to be thankful and to praise the Lord for Christ, who is greater than Satan, so that as Christ's followers, that we can live in spiritual victory without any fear. Isn't that wonderful? Without fear. Well, let's have a word of prayer before we get into our lesson today. Father, we are just so thankful for this day. We thank you, Lord, for your grace, your mercy, your love, and for all that you do for us. But dear Heavenly Father, we have some serious issues in our world today. We even have serious issues in our lives today. And we realize that it's all because of this un unseen world where a spiritual battle is going on for, for our lives and for our faith and for our trust in you. And, and we're praying, Father, that you would just help us to open our hearts and minds this morning that we might be reminded that we, dear Heavenly Father, need to be anchored in you. And Lord, we pray that your will will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you've turned to uh, Ephesians in chapter 6, we're going to kind of do a little bit of background here just for a moment. We realize that this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church of Ephesus. And uh, we see that in, he's just finishing up his letter to the saints and uh, to the believers there in Ephesus and to the faithful in Jesus Christ. He tells us that in chapter 1 and verse 1. Uh, Paul's not addressing this letter uh, to non-believers because they don't believe in Christ, nor do they understand, nor do they realize uh, that they are being controlled by Satan. But he's writing to the church. You say, well, now, why would he be writing this to the church? We are the believers. We are born again. We know Christ as our Savior. Well, it's because it's, imp it's important for us to know that Satan isn't just after the non-believer, but he's after you, the believer. You say, well, wait a minute. If I know Christ is my Savior, am I not secure in my faith and in my, my love for the Lord? And uh, am I not going to heaven? Yes, you are. But you know, the Apostle Paul also talks about carnal Christians. And that's those who have turned away from the faith, but yet they're still saved, but they are struggling because Satan has attacked their mind and their spirits, and they have lost their fellowship with Christ. But we see non-believers live in this world. This is God's creation. And we realize that Satan hates God. And, that, and the Scripture tells us that he hates God. And he'll do anything that he can to destroy God's creation. And we'll find that Satan will use the non-believers to help accomplish this goal if he can prevent them from believing in Jesus Christ. Uh, we find that as a Christ follower, Satan wants to destroy your faith in Christ. He wants to destroy and kill your influence in reaching others for Christ. That's how he does battle with the Lord. And that's the reason we have this serious 
battle going on in the unseen world. We see the Apostle Paul was writing this letter to the believers, to those in the church, uh, to warn the church, the Christ followers, of Satan's desire to destroy their commitment to Christ. Now, I don't know, hopefully, that you are not allowing him to destroy your influence. If you're a Christian and you say you're a Christian, act like a Christian and be a Christian. Uh, we find in chapters 1 through 3, the Apostle Paul, he talks about the doctrine. And he talks about who we are in Christ. He talks about all of the blessings that we have in the Lord. And he's sharing these things with the church. And, and he's sharing all of these things before he gets to that part of the warning. He tells us how our salvation by grace and our position in the unity of the body is important and how we as believers are equal in the body of Christ. There's no one of us that are more important than the other. God loves each of us equally, and we all come to Christ the same way. You, there's only one way to Christ, and that is uh, through the cross, and we must come that way. But we find that Christ uh, wants to dwell in our hearts and our lives, and He dwells in our hearts and lives by faith, being rooted and being grounded in the love of Christ that we might be filled with the fullness of God. And in chapters 4, to where we are in our lesson today, he talks about how we should relate to one another. He talks about our spiritual gifts. He talks about how we are to put off the former life and the evil ways of a former life. He talks about our home relationships with parents to, parent, parents to children and husbands to wives and wives to husbands and, and talks about our relationships with one another. And then we find in verse 10 through 16 of chapter 6, he tells us how to be victorious, how to be victorious in the spiritual warfare that we face as Christ followers. Now, we're going to take a look at a scene here on the video screen. And as you take a look at that, you can see that that's a, that's a war scene. It's a, it's a war scene that we can visually see ourselves today. And we see a lot of that on the television today, don't we? We see a lot of war scenes today uh, of Israel's war with Hamas and with, the, uh, with other wars that are going on around us. And these are taken, and this has probably been taken just over a couple of months. And we look at that, and even though we see this picture and we know there is suffering, we know there is death. We know there is displacement, and our hearts are touched with sadness and, and with sorrow for these people. However, we do not truly understand, do we? We're not in this situation, are we? We're not living in a war scene like this. So we can't fully comprehend the experience or neither experience the grief or the suffering that these people are going through. We try to understand but if I were to ask you right now, I said, would you, would you desire or would you like to be in a situation like this? I'm sure most of you would look at me and say, Brother Bill, you must be crazy. Now, we certainly don't want to live in a war scene like this, do we? But you know we are living in a warfare today. There is a warfare going on in our world today, in the unseen world, spiritual world, and we need to be aware of it. 
as we see these reports on the evening news from day to day about the war that is going on and we see these war scenes, we ask ourselves the question, that could possibly be us someday. And how could that happen to America? How could that come to be? How could our nation fall? <clears throat> well, number one, it could be because of the hatred and the violence. And as we look in television, we see that there's a lot of hatred and violence in America today, isn't there? And we see that that could bring us to our knees. Uh, we find that uh, we see commercials on, on television. It tells us how not to hate certain ethnic groups, how not to hate the Jews, how not to hate the uh, African Americans, how not, to, how not to hate the Asians, and how not to hate all of these people. But folks, uh, we are included in that as Caucasians. We hear these, these, these slogans about how life matters. Well, life matters to every individual, and we need to realize that there is no place for hatred and violence in our lives. The Lord loves us all, and the Lord wants us to live in peace. Uh, we see that there is hatred and violence. We even see people protesting for terrorists and for the evil. And yet we say, well, we need to fight that. Well, we're not fighting against those individuals. We're fighting against what is, uh, is behind the individual. And that's the evil spirits that are moving throughout this unseen world that, that we know about. Well, we find, too, that uh, our, our fall could come uh, from the left and the right of our political world. We look at our political world and we see there is hatred between the political systems, isn't there? We see that there is people, they are fighting each other. And we look at the presidential things that are going on right now. And, and we see that they're just arguing against each other, blaming each other, and accusing each other. It could come through that. There is a great division between our political parties today. And what causes all of that? Nothing more than the evil spirits that are at war in the unseen spiritual world. They are fighting each other. Satan is, is influencing, and Satan is, is, is telling others to, to hate one another, that it's important for us to be on top. We need to win. And we find that even in our political world today, they're not so much concerned about our American people. They're concerned about how I'm going to get elected. And I'll tell you what you want to hear just so that I might be able to get your vote. And how sad that that is. That could bring us to our knees one day. Well, it may be our downfall of global warming. Have you ever heard about global warming? Oh, absolutely, we've heard about global warming. And it's a big deal in some people's lives, and they'll fight for it. But they don't realize God is in control. Do you realize God is still in control? I don't care how bad things look. God is still in control, and this world is not going to end until God says it's ending. I don't care how much global warming there is. I don't care how much ice age there is or how much there's anything else. God is still in control. And we need to realize that today. Or maybe it's the downfall of materialism. Oh, materialism's a big deal now, isn't it? I can remember in the earlier years and a few centuries ago, we find that uh, people were just happy to have a small, modest home to where they could live with a roof over their head. Well, the next thing you know, everybody had to have a, a three-bedroom home. 
And then they had to have a three-bedroom home with a garage because they got a car. And then they had to have a three-bedroom with two-car garage because they had two cars. And today we see that people are building mansions with four or five bedrooms and three or four car garages because they have attained so much in this world. And the more you have, the more you kind of get drawn away from Christ because you begin to depend on self. And that's what Satan wants you to believe. You don't need Christ. You have all you need. Look at what you have. But we need to realize that materialism could bring us to our knees. And maybe it's the illegal immigration that we see going on in our open borders where everybody's coming in. And there's not a problem with these people coming to America if they come in the right way. And there's not a problem with them making a living for themselves here. That's what we're all about is to love and to care for one another. But whenever that we allow people to bring their baggage and allow and we begin to uh, accommodate their will and their ways and their religions and we find that we begin to go down as a nation our nation was founded upon biblical principles that's the reason that we have been so blessed over the years and yet we see that god's hand is beginning to be removed because we've allowed anything and everything to be a part Maybe it become through some of the other issues that we face in our country. And we face a lot of issues. And all of these issues are, are brought about. And all of these things that I've already shared with you, and I'm not standing here talking about a political issue or, or, or anything like that. Don't go out and say, Bill's been preaching a political message and not. I'm just wanting you to see that Satan is working behind the scenes to bring down everything that God loves and that God has created. And he'll do it any way that he can. Uh, we find the Bible makes it perfectly clear that our issues in life depends on the God that we worship. And we find that Belasse Pascal, who was a French mathematician and a philosopher and a physicist back in the 1600s. Now, that's been a long time ago, folks. I can't remember that. But, uh, but I like to hear what he has to say. Because he stated that there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man. And you know the problem that we have today is the God, in that God-shaped vacuum is, is how we fill it. We can fill it with a number of gods. And if we look in America today, we see that there's every kind of religion that there is. And you could fill that, that void or that vacuum with any of the worldly idols and we forget about the invisible warfare that's going on around us. This invisible warfare where Satan and the demons are trying their best to get you to believe in anything but believe in God. Believe in yourself and anything. Even though we see these pictures and we view the reports on the evening news of the visible war that's around us, we need to realize that this invisible war is more dangerous than any of these physical wars that we see. It's more dangerous, and yet we take it with just a grain of salt. We even don't even think about it many times. But the horrors and the devastation in these visible wars is worse. Uh, invisible war is worse than any of this devastation that we see in the physical war. The Apostle Paul, he wants us to know. He wants us to know this. And he wants to know and he wants to reveal to us through the Ephesian believers, 
through his letter that he has written there, that he wants us to know that there is danger and we need to be very careful. Let's read Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 13. Apostle Paul says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand in an evil day, and having done all, to stand. We find that uh, as we look into the Scripture, we know that we are created as a three-part being. We have a body, a soul, and a spirit. We find that the body is the flesh, that which was formed from the dust of the earth with the five senses of sight, sound, smell, taste, and touch, and the motor responses. And then we find the soul is the mind and the will and the emotions that we have. And the soul is the real you that relates to God. And who does Satan and how does Satan want to control you? He wants to control you through your mind. That if he can control you through your mind, then he can get your will and your emotions. And then he can cause that separation in your relationship with God. And that's what he's trying to share with the, the, the Ephesian Christians here in, in Ephesians. And he's trying in this letter to get them to see that even though he, through the first part of the letter, he tells them all about the good parts and all about the good things in life and all about how they were saved and how that they have a hope. But then he gets to this part and he said, I got to warn you, got to warn you that even though you have this hope and you have this precious life, there is things that you have to be aware of. And that is the spiritual warfare that is going on for your life, for your commitment to Christ. Hebrews 11, who it's a faith chapter. A Hebrew writer says that now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. In other words, we take a look at that in, a, in another translation, and it says that faith is confidence in what we hope for. Do you have confidence in what you hope for? But we have an assurance also, he says, an assurance about what we don't see. There are some things in our world we don't see, but we have confidence and we have the assurance that what God has promised us is real, and it's waiting for you and I. And we need to hold fast to the truths of his word. We find that in 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul says, because we have this confidence, this hope, because we have this assurance, he says there that that is why we never give up. That's why we don't quit. That's why we don't stop. That's why we need to continue on. He says, though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. Hallelujah, aren't you thankful for that? How many of you here are a little older and you find that it's a little more difficult for you to get around? It's a little more difficult for you to be able to, uh, to function in life? Oh, when you was a little younger, you were spry and you could do anything. But we find that when we get a little older, our bodies begin to dwindle away. I'm beginning to experience that very rapidly. <laughs> 
And we find that in Psalms 90, that Moses tells us that our days are three score and ten, which are 70. And if by my some means we make it to four score, we do it with a lot of what? A lot of suffering, a lot of strength, and a lot of sorrow. And how true that is. We begin to see our bodies begin to break down. But we find the Apostle Paul gives us a hope in that. He says, for our present troubles are small and they don't last very long. You say, well, wait a minute. Mine seems to be lasting a long time. But they don't last very long. Compared to eternity, we find that our, our ailments and our problems and our situations, they're not very long. They're just a, just a moment in time. We realize that. But we see that he tells us, yet these problems these troubles, he said, they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. What God has promised us and what we have in store is greater than anything that we could ever go through in this world. It'll be a great time to be home with the Lord. No more sickness, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more difficulties, no more death. That We will be home with the Lord. He said, so don't look at the troubles that we see now. He says, but fix your gaze upon uh, those things uh, which cannot be seen. Those things which we can't see right now. But he says, for the things which we see now will soon be gone, but the things which we cannot see will last forever. Paul's writings reminds me of one of the old great hymns that I have heard all down through my life. And this may date me a little bit as well. How many of you remember the song, That Heavenly Home? I don't see very many hands. See one back there. I see a few hands. The young people probably don't have a foggiest idea of the song that I'm talking about. But I think about that song, and that is my testimony where it says, I'm looking away beyond the dark stream to heaven's fair home of which I oft dream. There millions have gone. It's glory to share. Get ready, my friend, to live over there. The heavenly home lies over death sea. Where loved ones I know are waiting for me, with Jesus will live in glory divine. That heavenly home will surely be mine. That heavenly home has mansions of light. No storm clouds will rise, no shadows of night. No sorrow, no pain. All sin will be gone. We'll live with the Lord while ages roll on. What a promise we have even in that song. It may not be scripture, but whoever wrote it knew the Lord. They had a great hope, and they had that assurance of what lies ahead, and I have that as well today. Now we're going to look at our verses broken down, Ephesians 6.10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Now we know what the finally is. The Apostle Paul has already told us about uh, our lives and about our salvation and about how we're secure in Christ and all of these things. And, and then he turns around our salvation of by grace and our position, you know, in the unity of the body. And we see that uh, he now says, these are, th finally, I want to share with you some very important information. He says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And we see that uh, we are to uh, put our faith and our trust in, in what God shares with us, what He tells us. 
in chapters 4 on to this, and he tells us about how we are to love one another, care for one another. But he says, something you need to know. And I've got eight no's that I want to share with you this morning. And they're not N-O's, they're K-N-O-W's. Things we really need to know as Christ followers. And the first one is that we should know the battle must be fought in God's power and not in ours. Are we any match for Satan? Can we fight Satan on our own? We're no match for him. He is much smarter than what we are. And he has a lot of more, more cunning ways of reaching us than, than we can defend ourselves with. But we know one who is more powerful than Satan. That is our Savior, Jesus Christ. And all we need to do is to go to him and ask him for help and for strength. And we need to put our faith and trust in his power and his strength and allow him to do the battle for us. For the battle must be fought in God's power. Philippians 4, uh, Apostle Paul said, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. It's in Christ, Apostle Paul is saying. It's in God that we put our, that we put our trust and our faith so that we might be able to overcome Satan and his power. The battle is won through God's strength, and it's won through his power, not through ours. We might think that we can do battle on our own, but you can't. I had a cousin one time. I remember him standing. He's a little, quite a bit older than I was, and we lived in Birmingham, Alabama. And he came to visit with us, and he got so wrapped up spiritually that he told my dad, he said, Uncle Bill, he said, the Satan can't touch me. Well, I guarantee you that he can. I was 15 years old. I took two steps back because I thought, oh, this is serious. And it wasn't long until he lost his wife, lost his children, lost everything he had, ended up in an asylum because Satan attacked him. And he thought he could do battle alone. We can't do battle alone. We have to have God to fight our battle with us and for us. And we find that eventually he got out of the asylum. But he was a very humble individual after that. And he lived alone and died uh, an agonizing death. But we can't do life and we can't fight Satan. We have to have God's power in his might. The battle is won through God's strength and through his power. Then in verse 11, we see we got to put on the full armor of God so that you can take the, your stand against the wiles of the devil. When he's talking about the wiles of the devil, he's talking about the devil's schemes. You know, the devil has a lot of schemes, and he attacks you in many ways, in ways that you don't understand at the moment, but you need to beware. We need to follow what God says. We find that John tells us that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's exactly what Satan wants to do to you as a believer. And as a non-believer, he wants to keep you where you don't believe Christ. But as, an, as a believer, he wants to come and he wants to steal your joy and steal your passion for Christ. And he wants to kill your faith in reaching others for Christ and destroy your witness. But we find that God says, or Lord says, I have come that you may have life and you may have it to the full. 
And if we put our trust and faith in Christ, we are winners every time. The second no that you need to understand is to know that the spiritual warfare is real and it has eternal consequences. It is real. We forget that. Sometimes we just kind of go through life and we don't think about the spiritual warfare that's going on around us. And we, we, in, we in, uh, tangle ourselves in the things of the world and, and we just need to realize that this spiritual warfare is real. And it does have inter- eternal consequences. You know, as a believer, if you are allowing Satan to deceive you and to bring you down, to control your mind and to, and to kill your fellowship with Christ, uh, you'll find that whenever that we stand before him, uh, we'll not have the rewards or the crowns that we could have had. We'll lose all of those because of our unfaithfulness. So we see that the spiritual warfare is real, and it has eternal consequences. And in First Peter, we find that Peter tells the church that we need to be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You know, he is prowling around right here this morning seeking whom he might devour. And we need to be aware. And we need to trust in the Lord. Ephesians 2, 1 and 2 says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and of your many sins, but you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world. He said you were obeying the devil. And listen, this is, what, this is the important part. He said, he's the commander of the powers in the unseen world. This unseen spiritual world that we're living in, that we, we are being attacked through, we find that he is the commander of the powers of that spiritual evil. His demons are out to deceive and to take control of your life. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. You know, we're not to believe everyone who says that they know Christ. You know, I've witnessed to a lot of people, I've asked them, I said, do you know, are you a believer? Do you know Christ? Oh, yes, I'm a believer. I know Christ. Well, they might be a believer and believe that Jesus existed and that Jesus was a good man or Jesus was a prophet or that Jesus was something in life, but they are not born-again believers. You must be born again. Jesus told Nicodemus that. We must be born-again believers, not just believers. Many people believe. Even Satan and his demons believe in Jesus, and they tremble. The Scripture tells us that. They tremble because they know that he is all-powerful. They know their end. And that's the reason Satan hates us so much, is he wants to deceive you and to bring you down so that you'll not be an influence in other people's lives. So don't believe everyone who says that I believe. A lot of people believe. But we don't believe that Christ is the Son of the living God. That brings us to number three, no know what we are either obeying God or we're obeying Satan. Which one are you obeying today? you got to know that. You need to be sure in that. You need to be sure that you are saved. You need to be sure that you're born again. You need to be sure that you are following God. Then our fourth know is this. Know that the spiritual warfare is personal. 
Folks, you know, we kind of go through life thinking, you know, well, I'm, I'm not doing any different than anybody else. Well, that's what Satan wants you to believe. Why? Because he's attacking you personally. He attacks you where you are. He knows your life, and he knows where your weaknesses are, and that's what he goes for, and he attacks us personally. I've heard so many people tell me whenever I've witnessed to them that they'll say, well, if I go to hell, I'll just go and have a big party with my friends. Well, I got news for them. There won't be any parties there. But the sad thing about it is they don't realize, and this is what I like to tell them. I say, you know, you might, you might leave this world and you might end up in hell. But I said, you know what? Because of your life and the fact that you have left this world, maybe this be something that will draw your friends to the cross. And it may be that they'll get saved. And where will your friends be when you're there? They'll be in heaven while you're there with the Satan and his angels. So we need to be aware that spiritual warfare is personal. We find in John 3, 3, it says, Jesus replied and he declared, he said, I am the truth and no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Make sure, my friends, today that you are born again, believer. Then the 11th verse of our lesson today says, put on the full armor of God so that you can Take your stand against this devil's schemes. You see, this devil wants to outsmart you. He wants to deceive you. And we'll find that he, he can't outsmart us if we are familiar with his schemes and with who he is. And how do we know that? Well, the fifth no is know Satan's schemes. Know his strategies. Know what he, how he wants to... Uh, fight you and how he wants to deceive you. We find that there are many names in the scripture. There are many strategies that are revealed to us in the scripture. We find that he is a deceiver. And we find that we don't have to go any further than the second chapter of Genesis to see that. He's a deceiver. And he deceived Eve. It says he's an angel of light and he's a liar. And you know, we see these pictures about uh, uh, the serpent wrapped around a limb on a tree talking to Eve and how untrue that is. The scripture tells us that he was a very subtle creature. He was a beautiful creature, something that uh, Eve's attention would be drawn to. And he was able to use that in order to deceive her into believing that God was holding back on her and Adam. That if she would eat of that tree, that she would be as God's, that she would know good and bad. And I'm sorry to say she took of that fruit. She accepted his deceiving words, and she ate, gave it to Adam. He ate, and here we are today in this world. The Scripture tells us that he's the tempter. He's the one who tempts you to do things you shouldn't do. And you know, in our flesh, we find that our flesh is so desiring to do some of the things that the world shares with us. We want to be a part of it. We don't want to be extradited from it. We want to be part of the world. And so we give in to his temptations. His scripture tells us he's the evil one. He's the slanderer. He's the accuser. Did you know that once he can get you to do something, he'll stand and accuse you before the Lord? He'll accuse you of your failures and of your faults. And we find that he's our adversary. He's the one who is after us today. He is our enemy. He is not our friend. 
John chapter 8, verse 44 says, He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. He has no truth in him. Number six, we need to know Satan is a liar and he doesn't speak the truth. Never does he speak the truth. God in his word is always true because God cannot lie. Why would God lie? God made us in the beginning. He made us so that we could have fellowship with him. He desires our, us to be a part of the family of God. And he would not never lie to us. He wants us to be with him. Ephesians 6 and 12, verse 12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. See, this unseen world has a lot of warfare going on. We can't see it. Do you know there's a battle for your life? There's a battle for your soul in the unseen world. And it's a battle between the Holy Spirit and the evil spirit. And we find that this battle, it goes on and on. And, and Satan tries to use his, his deceiving ways to destroy you and to win the battle against God. But no, he'll never, never win against God. We find in Ephesians 6, 12, where it tells us that we are, uh, we are fighting against the mighty powers in the dark world. It's the dark world. It's against the evil spirits in heavenly places. We need to know number seven. Know that our battle is not against people. You know, we see the people in our world today, and we think that we are in a battle with individuals. We think that we are in a battle with the flesh and blood, but it's not. The battle that we have is the Holy Spirit that lives within us against the evil spirit that they possess in their lives. It's against this it's, uh, uh, dark world that is, is going on in the unseen world. And we are not against people, but it's against Satan and his demonic forces. Uh, we see that when someone denies the truth and tries to influence you, to denounce Christ. And I'm sure that each and every one of you have probably had somebody to try to cause you to denounce Christ in your life. We need to remember that your fight is not with that person, but your fight is with the one who is controlling that person. And that is Satan and his evil spirit. Then in verse 13, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Be a good soldier of the cross and stand your ground. We must stand our ground. First John chapter 3 says, But the Son of God came to destroy the works of Satan, and in Christ we are victors. First John chapter 4 says, But you belong to God. My dear children, you have already won a victory over these people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit that lives in this world. Thanks be to God. That brings us to number eight. Number eight is know that God is greater than Satan. And why? It's because God is the Almighty. He's everything. 
He created everything. He created Satan. And we find that Satan rebelled, thinking that he could be equal to God. Folks, there's people in our world today that think they don't need God for anything. That makes them think that they're equal to him and they can do things on their own. But we can't. We can't. And we find that God is greater than Satan. And for what reason? Uh, so that Christ's followers such as you and I can live in victory without fear. And isn't that wonderful? Heaven, amen, amen. We can live in victory without fear. We don't have to fear this world. We don't have to fear the things that are going on. We look at the television. We see these pictures of warfare going on, and we get afraid that these things are going to happen in America, and they very well could. But, folks, as long as you stand with Christ, you are a winner. You are a victor. We find in Philippians chapter 1, he says, And, and I am certain that God, who began the good work in you, will continue his work until he finally and is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. Hang in there. Be faithful. Trust him. I'm going to share with you a few more, a couple of things else, and then we're going to close. That we find that as we go on in Ephesians, if we go beyond verse 13, he tells us the armor that we are to wear. Now, he tells us how that we should live. He tells us that we are to put on the belt of truth around our waist. Be truthful in your life. You don't have to lie about things. Don't be like Satan and be a liar. But put on that belt of truth. He says, and put on the righteousness like armor for your chest so that you can protect yourself and your feet sandaled with readiness. And he says, put on the shield of faith. And he says, take the helmet. The helmet is very important, folks. Satan wants to get into your mind. Put on that helmet so that he can't attack you in your mind. And we need to have the sword of the Spirit. And this is the important part. He says, pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request. And stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all saints. We should always remain in prayer, and not just for ourselves, but for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Each one of us here need to be praying for one another that we will remain faithful and true. And at the end of this verse, it says, let us be thankful. I told you by the time we get to the end, we could be thankful, and we could praise the Lord because we can be, should be, and are held by Him until we get home.